1: Welcome to Mouth Off, a podcast brought to you by Forget Me Not Productions. Mouth Off offers a platform for marginalised groups to get their stories heard. I'm Clary Sadler. Okay, so for this episode of Mouth Off, we decided to do things a little bit differently. We're going to deconstruct the life and career of one of our nation's most beloved pop princesses, or... Arguably, Mikey, I think you'll agree, most beloved pop queen.
2: Yeah, I do not agree with that intro at all. (laughs) One of our beloved, she is the beloved.
1: Oh, there we go. So we're going to... There's only
2: one Kylie.
1: True. I'm just kind of giving an overview of what the listeners might be agreeing with. But we're going to be deconstructing this from the point of view and perspective of three Kylie fans. Okay, so of course I'm referring to Ms. Kylie Minogue.
0: Caught up in this house, trapped my very own self in the snare of and no more space in a slither, what a gift for a deep breath inside, where the chaos has me captive, where there's no exit sign, where fuel a stupid fire with these feelings of mine.
1: If you ask her legion of gay fans, you've just heard one of them there, Mikey Phillips. (laughs) She is the one. There is no other. But we're going to be getting the perspectives of me, Clary, a lifelong fan. Well, a lifelong, since I was six. um, I still have the Kylie Minogue membership fan club card in my purse, which I proudly carry around, proudly carry around and my badges that I got when my mum signed me up to the fan club. Give you a little bit of perspective of my level of fandom. Not quite as extreme as Mikey. I own every album, (laughs) several versions of every album, remix, singles, cassettes, vinyls, DVDs, CDs, a few other rare gems, but I don't sort of follow her around the globe. So I've only seen her around 10 times. I think I counted it 10 times live. So I tend to watch the tour locally, although I have seen her in Wales, London, Birmingham. And I did have tickets to see her in Brighton with Jay, who's also a guest on today's podcast. But I couldn't get in because... Hello. Yes, because I could not get the time off work thanks to a company that shall remain nameless.
2: Disgraceful.
1: (laughs) It was Techniquest (laughs) in Cardiff hopefully um,
2: they've closed down by now
1: they have they have because of Good. the lockdown i'm sure they'll uh, i'm sure they'll open again <laughs>
3: <laughs> because of kylie me. because of kylie <laughs> yes
1: i did i made it my life's work to uh, get my vengeance on them <laughs> i've just introduced a mikey phillips would you describe yourself is this quite accurate mikey as an uber super fan
2: I mean, I just worship at the altar that is Minogue. I mean, I haven't trotted, but I have seen her in probably nearly every city in the UK. And once is never enough for me. So if she is on tour, I have to go three or four times to the same show. And then I've got everything varying from the Kylie Easter egg, which is still uneaten. I've got the dolls. I've got the Kylie water. I've got I don't know, like one-off pieces, like there's an Aphrodite pop-up book. I mean, a low point for me was I have met her twice, and obviously it was all too much for me, and I was dragged away by security both times. So that was a low point for me, because we could have been friends. Yeah, but I think it's a healthy obsession. I'm not a stalker vibe, but she is the number one icon and just when I think like I can't love her enough, she does something and I'm like, I'm literally so in love with you still. Like, how many years later?
4: Wow.
2: Well,
1: 30. Yeah.
4: 34.
1: <laughs> so, would you go as far as to do something like getting a tattoo of her on your, on your back or on your thigh or something like that?
2: No, I mean, that's just crazy. What's <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it- the answer to that question?
1: What if you were someone that liked tattoos, though? Is the issue you don't like tattoos?
2: Yeah, don't like tattoos. And obviously, I get bored of things very easily. So to have something on my body, I know I will get bored of it and regret it. I've just got a healthy obsession.
1: Okay, so then we've got Jay Hoffman. Jay describes himself as a stick or twist fan. As in been to a few concerts, probably buys all the albums, maybe has a couple of DVDs, but don't adore her to the level of, say, Michael Jackson or even Janet Jackson. Oh, is no. that about right?
3: Yeah, I'd probably say where Mikey is with Kylie, I'm there with Michael. Definitely. I'm probably above, probably even further. Calm it down, man. Yeah, but um, I do love Kylie. I do like, I, you know, I buy every... Every album, other than "Kiss Me Once," I, for some reason that Ooh. completely it missed me. For some reason, I don't know why. I think maybe it was where I was living at the time. Two other people had the album, and they were playing all the time, so I just just listened to theirs.
2: That's a really lame excuse, Jay. I'm sorry, uh, Michael. You need to buy it right now. Download.
3: Well, the thing is, I pay ten pound a month now to Spotify, so I, I might understand. listen to it there instead.
1: Okay, so for a bit more Kylie context, as well as celebrating her 52nd birthday in June, she celebrated the 32nd anniversary of the release of her self-titled mm-hmm. debut album, Kylie. You know, the one with the, the hat and all the hair coming out of the brim. Loved Contest. it. Wanted the hat. Couldn't get one. <laughs> so,
2: wanted a perm.
1: Yeah, I did actually have a perm. I should have just bought any old hat and, and cut the top off and had it coming out. So, you know, I don't think it would have worked on me, though. No. So yeah, when we said earlier, she is loved by the nation. You know, well, around the globe really, not just not just in the UK. Obviously, people like me, old enough to remember her as the squeaky clean girl next door, mechanic, and love interest of Jason Donovan in neighbours. I'm of course talking about Charlene Mitchell. That's where my love started. I loved neighbours. Possibly loved it because of Kylie. I can't quite remember. It's a chicken and an egg thing. Did I get into Kylie because of neighbours or vice versa? I think I got into neighbours for Kylie when I was sort of seven. So she would have just done locomotion. She's been embraced by the LGBTQ plus community particularly gay men, but this lesbian has a very big soft spot <laughs> for her, too. <laughs> Not like that, though. I see her more as a sort of, um, you know, a friend or a big sister kind of figure. I don't really lust after her, though I can appreciate her beauty. <laughs> you know, you go to a Kylie gig. I mean, you guys agree. You've seen her enough times, Mikey. The crowd is gay. I mean, it's very, very gay. Mm-hmm. What makes this so appealing to the gay community? Do we have neighbours and Jason Donovan to thank for this? You know, that wedding. Walking down the aisle. I mean, even Mrs Mangle shed a tear. (laughs) Is it the ridiculously catchy earworms penned by Stark, Aitken and Waterman? You know, I mean, they were masters of what they did, particularly in the late 80s. Is it the often forgotten and overlooked Indias? Is it those hot pants and the amazing comeback following the Indias? Was it the kiss that she shared with Ginger Spice? Or possibly the courage she's shown in the face of adversity? Or is it none or all of the above? On today's show we'll be dissecting that first album, as well as beginning our journey into Kylie the deconstruction of a gay icon.
2: I mean, a lot of people always ask this question, it's so hard. I just think personally, I don't know, I think she's always been supportive of the community, like doing pride and kind of not shying away from it when it was not considered cool. She was still kind of there. But the only thing I can think for my personal thing is that she's like a, a human Barbie. Yeah. And she's just had all these different looks and just, I don't know, she's very strong. And I think like everything she's overcome, I think all the different image changes. I think the anthems that she's released, it just goes on and on. I think the gays love a fighter. Yeah. They love someone very attractive, obviously, and like dollyish and cute. Yeah, I think that's my thing.
1: Jay, you got anything to add? Any thoughts?
3: Well, I suppose, yeah, she's she's just, um, I suppose I should, because we're doing a podcast, really. <laughs> yeah, no, she's just, I think she's just, the way she portrays herself, isn't she? It's very colourful, it's very rainbow-esque, it's got that sort of feel mm. to it. She's very, glittery. Um, sweet, very sweet, very glittery, and instantly to look at, you can see why gay people would be drawn in to that. And she doesn't, I don't I've mean, been trying to think of a word not just to, to describe her, it, but it's, she doesn't offend anyone, do you know what I mean? But I don't want the word to be offend. It's sort of she just fits in with everything yeah. within the gay community, I think. I, I, you know. And her songs, you know, like they are disco yeah. Disco disco.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, we're gonna be dissecting a little bit of that that first album today, you know, and then looking at the broader sort of picture of like how do you deconstruct a gay icon, I suppose. I mean, before we get to that album, I gave us all the task to choose two Kylie songs that we considered to be like ultimate gay anthems. So I'll reveal my first choice now, play a little clip of it. I mean, we were all kind of in agreement with this anyway.
0: Mm.
1: here goes. choice really to me that is that is as gay as they come <laughs> written by mm-hmm. Guy, Guy Chambers and Robbie Williams very village people-esque you know gloriously camp disco number very very gay video according to Guy Chambers it was supposed to be a UK single but the head of Kylie's label at the time Miles Leonard pulled it he said no it's too camp and it's too gay <laughs> I don't know why that was oh, an my- issue. Yeah, it would have, so I mean, what a mistake by the UK, <laughs> you know. What are your thoughts on that comment? I mean, how can you be too gay to be at the top of the charts, I suppose is my first question. And um, what do you think of the song itself?
3: How long ago was it again? What was the, the year for it?
1: Wasn't it what like was said? 2001, wasn't it, Mikey? One.
2: Or was it 2000? It's off light years, isn't it?
1: That's right, yeah, two thousand. So I suppose that's your answer, I suppose,
3: back in 2000. Yeah,
1: you know, but then we you ha- had, you know, we had the Scissor Sisters, you know, they were, I mean, that's a little bit earlier than them, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. thinking of sort of share songs as well, you know, that were massive hits and very gay sounding, like Believe, I think it would have I been think... a, nice, a nice song and I think it would have done well.
2: I think like when you see her live, she always does this song and obviously the crowd go insane. Yeah. But I think
1: there has been,
2: I mean, obviously she's faultless in everywhere, I won't have a bad word said about her. But there, for me, there have been numerous wrong singles released. So I think, I don't know, that's just proof that the management or the label don't always get it right.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I think
3: lots of the time they should actually, and this is just generally across the board, I think they should really be going to the fans. And saying, mm. which song should we release? Because often you think, oh my God, why is this song not being released? Or why was this one released?
2: Yeah. I think also that's such a standout off that album. Like, It's such an obvious
1: yeah, banging
2: tune. Do you know what I mean? You can't ignore it, really.
1: It yeah. is. It is definitely the banger on that album. Um, as much as I love the whole album, I remember just absolutely gobsmacked jaw on the floor when I heard that I thought and I hate Robbie Williams and even finding out that he was a sort of co-writer on it didn't care love the song
2: <laughs> I was just gonna say she obviously did leave parlour phone, so I think there was maybe numerous things behind the scenes that she was frustrated with so maybe that was one of them
1: yeah, yeah. okay so yeah we initially came up with Probably the same two songs. We all sort of agreed with that one, definitely. I'll save the second one that we all agreed on to the end. Um, but I did ask you to pick sort of a, a backup two <laughs> songs. So Mikey's other choice was this, which is also a banger, in my opinion.
2: I've probably changed my mind since then. <laughs> <laughs> And in fact, do you know that Danny Manoke is in this video? Yes, I did
1: know that.
2: <laughs> this video is everything. This song is everything.
3: It is a- She is
2: everything. I remember being obsessed with her in the pool. And then also when she was doing the ironing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, another...
1: Unbelievably catchy, you know, a pop masterpiece, really, written and produced by Stark Aitken and Mortimer. I think that's probably the best
2: run of singles, probably apart from the Spice Girls ever. Because what do we have? Better the Devil You Know, Step Back in Time, Shocked, What Do I Have to Do? It's
3: like ridiculous. They are. Iconic.
1: A really good sound nice change in direction more mature sound more mature look and again an instant hit with the gay community I just remember practically every night out going to a gay club this song would be blasting several times through the night mainly because <laughs> I'd be there begging the DJ to put it on again <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably snogging the DJ put it on again we had numerous tricks in those days
1: <laughs> we did So, yeah, I mean, nothing else to say about that song. Just a, yeah, a classic. And in fairness to the hit factory, as they were known, they did know how to write a good pop Oh, my God. They're everything.
3: Do you think you'd ever go back with them? Just for, like, one song, maybe not a whole album?
2: No, but do you know what was an absolute moment for me to see in real life? I went to the PWL Christmas, I can't even remember what it was called, and they kind of had, like... Sonia Sanita, Steps <laughs> and then Kylie was rumoured so obviously I was like I have to be there <laughs> and at the end of the concert she came out with Jason and did a especially for you
4: oh wow so Amazing.
2: it was insane Pete Waterman came on stage and was like obviously loving
3: her
1: so Jay's first choice
3: it was a difficult it was a slash it was that and something else but
1: it was I've picked this one first because I'll be honest, this is one of my all-time, well, I won't say all-time favourite Kylie song because that changes probably every day, but it's up there in one of my faves ever. This
4: one
3: thrills me, it really does.
1: And just that opening of the video with the feet.
2: fun fact do we know who wrote this
1: Paula Abdel was it
2: that's the one I,
0: know me
2: I mean the best one in the business
3: Remember, I remember, because this was back in 2000, yeah? I would have gone red looking at those hot pants.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I remember queuing with Clary for about 18 hours to get into GAY. That's right.
1: Oh, God, yeah.
2: It was everything.
1: So as far as, like, comebacks go, I think this song was spot on, wasn't it? It was less to do with Kylie reinventing herself, like, yet again. And... More like a gentle, well, not a gentle reminder, a real slap in the face saying, this is what I'm good at. This is me back on form, you know? And what is she about? It's glitter, it's sparkles, and it's unapologetic, catchy pop at its best, in my opinion.
3: But I
2: think at this point she'd almost embraced everything that she was and was like, right, I'm going to do what everyone wants from me.
3: I think that as well, because if I remember... Back to then, it was almost, it felt like me as a fan, like that it felt like he was like a, a make or break for her. Cause she yeah. yeah. Was the the pop princess, um, perfect princess? Impossible princess. Impossible princess, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> perfect princess. She did. Um, I, I think it was like a, oh, what's she doing there? She's bringing-
2: Well, I don't know if you remember, Jay, but the scandal back in the day was after those two albums on the small label deconstruction.
3: Yeah.
2: She actually got dropped because they went under.
0: Yeah. Wow. And
2: everyone was everyone yeah. was like, how the hell has she been dropped?
0: Yeah.
2: And then obviously that, yeah. spinning around was the massive comeback with the Parlophone.
1: As you said, it was... You know, Paula Abdul's one of the writers. I think it mm-hmm. was even intended to be on one of her albums, wasn't it? And ended up being passed on to Kylie. And you know, how glad are we all that it did get passed on to mm-hmm. Kylie? Um, produced by Mike Spencer. And I read recently that he wanted to try something different in the studio. So normally they'd sort of it be processed instruments and you know all kind of digitalized but they got a live band in, which in sort of 2000 wasn't really the done thing for like disco pop music. They were going out on a limb, trying something a bit different, and it worked really well. Yeah, one of my faves. What
2: about about those 50p (laughs) hot (laughs) pants?
1: Kylie Saving Grace. Mm. (laughs) I'll zip through the other two choices so we can get on to the album at hand. So, Mikey's Second Choice, produced by Scissor Sisters' Jake Shears, which maybe explains its kind of camp gay anthem Mm. vibe.
2: Incredible song.
3: It is. I think at one point it might have been my favourite. Yeah. But it changes, doesn't it? depends on...
2: They're a very good match, I wish they'd do more.
1: did well at the time, didn't it? Time of release. mm mm-hmm. It's still a fan favorite. Yeah.
2: It's another one of her should have been number ones because obviously she's the queen of number twos.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, It was co-written by her, which is always nice when she's got a writing um, credit on a song that's a success, isn't it?
2: And her voice sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. You know, and you try and sing along to that chorus, I mean, she can really Mm -hmm. hit those high notes. You know, for anyone that says she can't sing, she can hit them. Again, timeless classic. Another timeless classic, which has become almost the love song to the fans.
3: So this was Jay's uh, second choice is that right yeah it was it was this and'm because this is for me it's just it's just sublime <laughs>
2: I mean again she was told to take out the gay scenes wasn't she for this video and she refused
0: yeah to the
1: Likes nice to have a little nod to the fans that have made her career, really, you know. It's kind of like a little dip of the hat to them. You know, simple melody, but really heartfelt lyrics, luscious song. So yeah, I don't really know what makes a gay anthem. I know we talked about this a little bit at the start, but I think we were all in agreement that the gayest and most glorious (laughs) of all Kylie gay anthems of Well I was actually in fact talking about
2: and this obviously is played at midnight at G A Y for like ever.
1: Yeah.
2: As a nod to the Queen.
1: Just so nice to be at GAY at that gig that Kylie played, Mikey, where she is dressed, you know, as the little red devil. Um, mm-hmm. and then her doing this song was just like it just brought the roof down, didn't it?
2: I remember I mean, this is definitely one of my favourite all-time songs. And I just loved in the video that she was dating Michael Hutchins at the time and any opportunity she had to show that she was wearing Michael's M ring on her finger, she was going for it. <laughs> Yeah, touching I know. the face,
1: touching the hair. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I did read in an interview with Pete Waterman that he came up with this when Kylie broke the news to them that her and Jason Donovan had broke up, and she had started dating Michael Hutchins. And his yeah. comment was, "Oh gosh, I don't know. It might be better the devil you know because she's yeah. bound to be going through some kind of transformation now, and um, you know how and right that is he true, was. Do you
2: know why? I went to an evening with Pete Waterman.
1: Oh, did you?
2: Yeah, and he told that story.
1: <laughs> there we go then. Maybe that's the interview I, the interview I was reading.
2: Mm. I also love that the fact that she straightened her hair and everyone like lost their mind. <laughs> I the think this was, was the first. gone, the hair was straight.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me this was the first time, even though I'd listened to her since 1998, it was the first time I thought, wow, her voice sounds really like it had grown up, it had matured mm. to me and that caught me. And then I always remember, I don't know if you've got, you probably guys would have seen this, but she did a, I think it was 1990, she did a tribute to John Lennon in Liverpool. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. she sang Help. Yeah. And I was, yeah. oh my God, I was watching, listening to her and I was like, she's the only one that's come on the stage, performed and sang, sang properly yeah. <laughs> at that time. I was just like, I can't believe she... At that point, I actually thought, I can't believe she can actually sing as well. <laughs> you know, back in the olden days, it was like, oh, it's not her singing, or it, they all make up rumours and stuff. But yeah,
2: I they all thought just, it was Rick Astley.
3: I know. With his voice, like... did I yes, remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I watched that little um, performance the other day. I was like, I need to go back.
2: I bought that on video. Did you? I got it on VHS.
3: <laughs> it was, It was great. I just remember... Think it, oh.
1: kylie minogue's debut studio album kylie which turned 32 on the 4th of july so in case you can't remember it was released by mushroom records in 1988 i was just eight at the time it was the first album i ever bought i owned it on cassette at that time kylie was just 20 years old She'd established herself as an actress, gaining popularity playing tomboy Charlene Mitchell, mechanic and love interest of Scott Robinson, a.k.a. Jason Donovan, as we mentioned earlier. So during a Fitzroy Football Club benefit with the Neighbours cast members, Kylie sang two songs. She sang I Got You Babe as a duet and The Locomotion as an encore. This led to her getting a record deal in early 1987 with Mushroom Records, and the success of her debut single, Locomotion, resulted in her working with Stock, Aitken, and Waterman, who produced the album and wrote nine of its ten tracks. But Kylie had little to no creative input, really. They would write the songs. As she was travelling to the studio, they'd often finish a song, you know, just in time for her getting there. She'd sing them and then leave. And they would mix and produce the tracks without Kylie being present. So musically, Kylie is a bubblegum pop, dance pop album. It was a commercial success, peaking at number one in the UK for six weeks and became the best-selling album of 1988. It's her only number one album in New Zealand, and it peaked at number two in her native Australia. It even had some success in America. The locomotion got to number three in the Billboard Top 100, and it was certified gold for selling over 500,000 copies. The album was six times platinum in the UK and has sold over 5 million copies worldwide. I Should Be So Lucky was the first single released by PWL Records, which was founded in December 1987. It reached number one in Australia and the UK, and that was a first for any artist. But even with all that success, contemporary critics have criticised its dated 80s production style and the cheesy pop sort of prominent throughout the album. Kylie herself has been highly critical of the record and was Embarrassed by it for many years. It wasn't until meeting Nick Cave in the mid-90s that she shook off her stock Aitken and Waterman pop image. She performed a, a tongue-in-cheek spoken word version of I Should Be So Lucky. He had a poetry reading and Indie Kylie was born. So, talking about 1988 and back in the day, you know, that first album, I mean, I was eight. I, I didn't really... You know, I didn't have a wide <laughs> musical knowledge other than what my parents listened to, maybe. But this was the first album, that debut album that I owned, that was something I chose. It was on cassette. Um, and I loved it. I knew all the words, you know, Inside Out. I still do, even though it's not an album I listen to much now. Is it my favourite album of Kylie's? No, it's probably even at the bottom of the list. But does it have a special oh, place in my it. Well, no, at the bottom of her list of very good albums, it still still has a a place in my heart. And I went for a jog the other day, put the album on, and I just loved it. I was singing, didn't care who I was passing, (laughs) running up the lane, just singing at the top of my voice. So, yeah. Yeah, while, I don't know, the PWL albums are often thought of as her weakest... I don't know how you feel. I think they're an essential part, you know, in the Kylie canon. Would we have the Kylie that we know and love now? I don't know. Paying
4: her
3: dues, isn't it? She's like, she's starting. And you can obviously know she's a new artist and she, maybe she's not, um, she doesn't really, maybe she doesn't know the direction she wants to go in, but she's been given these songs. And that sort of started her on her journey, didn't it, you know?
1: Definitely.
2: Also, there's no way that I would say that they are her weakest albums. Whoever said that needs to be sacked.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, I mean, what does a music critic know? At the end of the day, whenever they review an album, they are basing it on what is, you know, popular at the time. If you read reviews of this album from the time, they're glowing because that was The Sound and PWL. Okay, yeah, they were, they called them the Hit Factory Okay. yeah, it was a little bit formulaic. And yes, they did have this sort of assembly line approach to songwriting. But guess what? That worked for Motown. (laughs) That is what Motown was. churn out hit by hit. They sounded very similar. Um, It was of the time. And that is a genre that is very much still respected today. So I would argue that Pete Waterman and the PWL team actually... They hit on a gold mine and they stuck with it.
2: it I gets, just think anyone who can write a number one global selling song in 10 minutes, they've got something right.
1: Exactly. And I was listening to, I think it was like Cheryl Crow or someone. She was on Radio 2 on the Steve Wright show talking about she got back into music after having a break. And she was taking a new approach with her sound. And when trying to figure out, will this song work for me? She called it the Dolly Parton effect or the Dolly Parton challenge, which is Mm. basically take the song, ignore all the sort of instruments, the genre, if it's a dance song or whatever, play it on an acoustic guitar with just the vocal. If it sounds like a nice song, it's a good song. You know, you don't need all the flounce. You don't need all the frills. It's like a good country and Western song. If it doesn't work on the acoustic guitar with just you, it's probably not the best song if you need all the sort of, you know, the flowering up of the instruments. And that is what I've done quite a lot with this album. When I revisited it, I picked up the guitar and I just strummed, you know, something like Je ne sais pas pour which sounds fantastic playing as like a little acoustic song. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I would argue that as a piece, you know, it might be a product of the time, But, you know, the 80s is a decade that people, you know, they still make (laughs) compilation 80s albums, new ones, all the time. There's always Kylie songs on there, just like there's always Rick Astley songs. So, yeah, I think they got something right with it all.
3: I think they're really melodic. That's what I find. Sounds good to me. So
1: I did have it on cassette. I can't find the cassette, I'm sure I would never have thrown it out, so it must be at my parents' house, but I hoped to have that to show you, not that it's very good on a podcast, but it would have been nice to see (laughs) the well-worn, well-used cassette, or otherwise it possibly broke because I did literally play it to death. So did you have this album? Obviously we are talking about Kylie's debut album, Kylie. Um, I probably know the answer for Mikey. I'm not sure about Jay. Did you have it at the time of release? So, late 80s, what? is that something that made your Christmas list or something that you bought or came to later on in life?
2: Jay, were, Jay, were you born? No. <laughs>
1: That's
2: what I thought.
3: You know, do you know what? I, I never actually owned this album because, like I said, I said, I know I came into Kylie when... Enjoy yourself happened because if you think about on July the fourth when it came out, I was thirteen and five months.
2: And your so, point is?
3: So the point is, by that point, Michael had already kicked in. <laughs> he'd arrived. Okay. He'd arrived just prior to that, so that would have been my focus. Um, so it just took me a little bit of time to land after that, and then see that there were other, there was other music. I was aware of it, though. I mean, completely, you
2: know. Oh, my God. I was obsessed from the start. So, obviously, I was obsessed with Neighbours. I was obsessed with the Henderson kids. (laughs) And then this, obviously, was the dream come true of having the album. So, I definitely had the vinyl, which I still have. And I also have the cassette, which I still have.
1: Yeah, because it was never really... It hadn't been written into Neighbours. You know, like, Scott Robinson would occasionally... Pop into a scene with a guitar, and he'd be sort of, you know, blubbering on in the corner, singing a little love song. It was hinted at that Jason Donovan might go on to do that. So I think, yeah, for me, I must have been a Neighbours fan first because I think I watched Neighbours from, you know, as soon as it was aired in the UK, and then when I found out, oh my God, she sings as well. It was just like, yeah, like you said, Mikey, it was like amazing, and. Yeah, mm. pure mm. pop. I mean, I loved pop music at the time. I still, I still like pop music, but I hadn't discovered sort of, you know, more alternative music or the indie thing or the Brit pop. So it was just about pop. It was Kylie, New Kids on the Block. That was pretty much it for me in the the late eighties, early nineties. So yeah, you know, I would have been
3: at my age at that point because you, you two, I know you're slightly younger. For a 13 and a half year old boy to love Kylie at that point would have been a no no in school.
4: Mm.
3: That's, mm. That would have been that reason. It's like, Kylie at that age. I mean,
2: I, I think in those days, obviously, I was still thinking I was straight until I remember skipping around the schoolyard to so I Should Be So Lucky. <laughs> um, and I also remember running to Woolworths to buy. Do you remember when you could flick through the posters?
1: Yes. You can still do I, that.
2: Lo- I was yeah, I was obsessed with the poster of Kylie on the bed in the nightdress.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so did you just? I mean, Jay, you may have done this with with artists as well. Did you sort of make out that you had a crush that she was sort of your your dream woman? Is that how you got around it, Mikey, or did you just not care? This is who I like, and Teflèt. <sighs>
2: I can't even remember. I think I was too innocent. I don't think it was a crush because I know at different points I actually wanted to be her. I probably still want to be her. Um, So, yeah, definitely don't think a crush. Just totally obsessed. And obviously, what are we now? 33 years on and probably, I mean, probably more obsessed.
1: And Jade, I mean, I guess at the age of 13 Again. you would have definitely been in the closet or maybe even not realizing yourself that you were gay Um how did you sort of explain know. the Michael Jackson <laughs> obsession to people was that an issue or was it was it because it was more of a mature I guess not bubblegum pop no. that was popular with teens was it okay to be a boy I, and like Michael Jackson do you think
2: and did you completely. wear a glove
3: <laughs> completely I, I, I went to the first my first ever concert Dressed, that's the way you make me feel
2: amazing
3: it was it was great it was it was not even anything that I consciously thought of it was just i love this man not in any way yeah. just i was obsessed like you know like you're with Kylie it would, i would i remember obsessing over looking at the the bad album cover
2: yeah i think what people don't understand because obviously we've all got idols yeah and a lot of people don't have idols so they don't really understand like it's like a higher love, isn't it? It's not like a lusting love. It's not no. an in love with. It's just you idolize that person who can do that. You, you do admire wrong. what they do. You, know what yeah.
3: I mean, you, just, you just you're listening to and understanding them mm-hmm. on a different level. Completely, it's a different different thing. And they
2: inspire you. I think, like,
1: yeah, they
2: influence. Do not know? They influence your life definitely.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people. I mean, there are, lots of people do have idols, and a lot of people are obsessive about collecting, you know, my mother and Elvis, for instance. Yeah, my wife, though, Mel, she doesn't get it. She loves music. She's got a really sort of eclectic mix of CDs. Mm. If you look in in the office now, I was just sorting everything into alphabetical order, like I like to do. I mean, she's got (laughs) Brian Adams, Susan Boyle, John Barrowman, Susan Queen. Boyle, yeah you know and I kind of I don't I'm poke fun but I sort of say well you know Susan Boyle really and she said well I've never I mean, listened co- to I'm it I'm
2: concerned about that one
1: well she said I've never really listened to the album I, I quite liked her audition I maybe had said it to someone and then all of a sudden I got bought the <laughs> album you know and that's sort of how she is with music most of what she owns she may have said, oh, I like one song or another by this artist and someone has bought her that album. She doesn't really actively <laughs> buy music. You know, she likes she likes the stereophonics, for instance. So for about three Christmases in a row, I bought her the latest stereophonics album. And she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, when I say I like them, I mean the big hits. Like I'm probably not going to listen to an mal- album of new songs that I, I don't know because <laughs> they're not as popular now. So it is a different way of listening, you know, to music and appreciating an artist. And she probably thinks I'm a bit odd, the fact that I I get a bit obsessive about it. But I don't know, maybe. I mean,
2: again, I was just going to say, I don't know with you two, but I remember, obviously you had smash hits, you'd cover your school books in the posters. Mm -hmm. My bedroom was the walls, the ceiling, the outside of the door. (laughs) Me too. Like,
3: obsessed. I used to I used to sellotape the edges of the posters so they didn't
2: rip. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. How annoying when the blue tack used to like cause like a little stain on the corners. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very annoying on yeah, the wall. <laughs> yeah, and I think I don't know if it's the same for you, Jay. You are a bit of a performer in your own right now. You've you've come into music and singing and, wow. and performing and writing <laughs> music later in life, but you said you've always sort of liked it does it make a difference when you have a passion that goes beyond just liking the music and the artist but you know you're a performer in your own right do you think that adds to it at all do you know what
3: definitely more so now because I look back at performances of different people and whatnot and I'm like oh I've never heard it like that before because I'm listening out for the way they're singing it the way they're performing it and you know, I'm looking at thinking, how do they do that as well? Because I'm like, there, mm, hello, yeah. just quietly with the microphone. But yeah, it definitely gives you a, a different perspective on it, especially young Kylie.
1: So she was, what, 20 when that album was recorded? Kylie. Uh, was
2: she 20 or younger?
1: Well, maybe like younger when recording it. I suppose when it was released, she would have been just approaching 20, would she, if that was...
2: Good. Google well, it if, right
1: now. Well, if she turned, if the album turned thirty-two on the fourth of July, and she was fifty mm. And mm. In, Ju- in fifty-two, sorry, in June, that must made made her about twenty at the time. <laughs> as my maths really, you you're,
2: you're very good at maths. I was I was barely in school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know and course we've already mentioned she had established herself as a popular actress not just in Neighbours she had done you know things like the Henderson kids and she was probably better known in Australia um because she was a child actress wasn't she I mean what was her first role Mike you all know this
2: Mm. Sullivan's
1: Sullivan's and that was also with Jason Donovan wasn't it he was played her Mm. brother in it I think
2: (laughs) and the famous story goes is that Danny was the more famous. We know this, don't we? Yeah. Danny was on Young Talent Time and was famous first, and unfortunately made the mistake of going, "Ooh, let me bring my sister along one week."
1: Yeah, I and quite...
2: then Kylie got neighbours.
1: I wonder if she kicks herself about that. I mean, she was only a little bit behind, wasn't she? You know, she got a part in uh, Home and Away, playing the punk. I did mm-hmm. like her in that, and I did we... like her musically. It's just. It was too similar and she, I don't know, Kylie had already done it and done it better is how I've always felt. Although I have liked her later stuff a lot more, you know, uh, put a needle on it and that kind of thing. How do you feel about Daddy?
2: I almost feel like I only liked her because she's Kylie's sister.
3: Yeah. I did have an obsession with her. I did jump ship for a little while. (laughs) Did you? I did during, it was...
2: Neon Lights, or whatever it's called.
3: Definitely that album. Before that, as well, there was a jump to the beat and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. I remember. I'm pitching
2: yeah, that. this is it. Yeah,
3: that's right. Yeah. Oh, success. Success. That was my song. Success is my favourite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come and get it. <laughs> I love that song. Do you think, this is the question, would we know the Kylie that we know today if not for Neighbours would she have had that platform I mean was it just because she was in Neighbours you know got up at a charity benefit do with the Neighbours cast happened to sing the locomotion someone loved it and said let's sign her up I mean would that have happened would her talent have taken her there anyway what do you think
3: I don't know I think the stars were aligned yeah I think the stars were aligned if she didn't have that because Back in the day, wasn't it like Neighbours was 20 million people per day? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's really weird, isn't it? Because if you look at, like, China and Japan, I don't think they got Neighbours, and she's still huge there. But yeah. then again, she's only she's only globally huge, because I think of the start of, like you said, the 20 million people watching Neighbours.
1: Yeah. People yeah. probably
3: would have still seen her, but maybe maybe she wouldn't be the icon. Yeah. She'd, probably, yeah. Maybe.
2: she'd probably just be like... No offense to Tina Arena, but like probably like just big in Australia.
3: Yeah, Arena yeah. or Natalie Umbrella,
2: brilliant. Yeah, I love her. I do love <laughs> her
1: as well. Yeah.
2: I was going to say, I think as well, it happens in quite a fairy tale way of like getting up and singing, and then they're like, "Oh, we want another song." So she's like, "Oh, I know locomotion," and then, like you said, there's a record company executive who's like, "Oh, let's record it." It's like a fairy tale, isn't it?
1: yeah and I think you know again, like Jay said, the stars are lining i mean we'll get we'll get to the album and we'll get to the songs um what I will say is when she got up and sung that, it was probably just very similar to the original and
4: Pete <clears throat> Waterman
1: and his team coming along and and making it. I mean, my son Oliver loves that song, and he when he asks for it he says, Can i have <laughs> He tries to do the sort of opening synthy bit. I mean, again, would she have been as popular? Would it have been as much of a hit if she'd just gone and recorded, you know, a version that was trying to be Carol King—um, not Carol King, sorry, Little Eva—but not as good? Or did that eighties beat kind of do it for her? Because it transformed the song, didn't it?
2: I think again, like Jay said, because if you look, what came after Kylie? So you had like. Did we have like we had the neighbors twins? We had Lily Paul from neighbors, from neighbors. We had Craig McLaughlin, oh. Craig McLaughlin,
1: Check One Two, hey and Mona,
2: J- Jason Donovan. I did love Mona. <laughs> um, and obviously, where are they now? So, like, I think the formula doesn't obviously work for everyone. I think she was, think she oh. was just meant for it, yeah.
3: I think you know, I always remember Joe Wiley doing an interview with Kylie it wasn't too long ago but you know she'd had all her big hits and she was like can you believe we're about to talk about what is your favourite Kylie song Do
1: you yeah, know because yeah.
3: they didn't think she was going to last
1: past <laughs> well I mean yeah they, well, she was often ridiculed wasn't she you know a, a sort of a singing budgie or a singing puppet or whatever they used to call her, just going in learning the song doing the song and then leaving without really having any creative input at all or certainly for the first sort of two albums definitely um, well,
2: we're also forgetting the first British single of where she'd been waiting for a week to wait, work with Pete Waterman. And then obviously someone was like, oh God, Pete, that Kylie's still in reception. And someone <laughs> said, oh, she should be so lucky.
1: That's right, yeah. And
2: then they wrote it in like 10 minutes.
1: I think I read <laughs> um, an interview the other week with him in which he said a lot of the songs would be Oh gosh, Kylie's just got in touch to say she's stuck in traffic, mm-hmm. that's right, she's due in today, we better write her a song then, you know, and, exactly. and write the song, you know, in 10 minutes before she got there. Um, you know, I mean, does that show in some of the album tracks? No. Yeah, maybe in that first album, production-wise, probably rather than songwriting-wise, they might be described as samey. I disagree. I disagree as well, I th- I, I I love the album. It's sort of one of my first obsessions. I'm just looking at it now fondly, the CD case there. I don't think I listened to, I don't know what I was listening to at the time. New Kids on the Block, Hanging Tough, that album. Another album I liked, but I don't think I listened to it that much. You know, the songs, I suppose they do, they speak to a young you know a younger audience but they're also quite universal themes everyone loves a love song and everyone loves a pop song so shall we delve into the album? Mm. Mikey do you want to take this just a little intro to the album what can you tell us about the sort of release and how well it did and you know the response to it? Um, I
2: actually don't even know when it released that's really shocking isn't
1: it? Um, okay. When was it released? Got a date here, uh, December nineteen
0: eighty eight. What date in December? Sorry, not
1: December. Sorry, it was released in July nineteen eighty eight, July the fourth. <laughs> and they um, formed PWL yeah. after the the release of the album. So um, th- their their brand and their limited company came, I think, when they realised they had the success, you know, of Kylie on their hands.
2: I mean, I'm too. My memory is terrible anyway, but I can't actually remember the album coming out. It is the biggest selling album of 1988. That's right. But around 6 million, and I think, worldwide.
1: Yeah, 6 million worldwide. You know, it even managed to get a couple of Billboard Top 100 singles. I think Locomotion got a number three, didn't it, in the, mm-hmm. the Billboard Top 100. And it was certified gold yeah. in the US, which, you know... Considering, you know, everyone likes to say our Kylie never managed to crack the U.S. market, certified gold for your first album isn't too bad, I don't think. Exactly. You know, that's...
2: Plus, I'm pretty sure they didn't have Neighbours.
1: Well, exactly. So, you know, that's 500,000 more records than, you know, Jason Donovan sold there. (laughs) I don't think he sold any No, bless it. Bless. So, yeah, I Should Be So Lucky, first single released. Oh my um, God! Oh, I, I do tell a lie. P.W.L. was formed in 1987, not 1988. So it was December 1987. Didn't reach number one in Australia. The album. But, I can't believe that. Mm, but it did. The single "I Should Be So Lucky" did reach number one in Australia and the UK. So that was the first for any artist to have a number one in Australia and the UK simultaneously retrospective reviews of it being a little bit negative, you know, criticising the overly produced 80s production. But then, you know, it was the 80s. <laughs> it was 80s. <laughs> exactly.
2: But also, that stockache in a Waterman sound, which I'm, again, I still love to this day. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah. And that's the thing, for all the haters, they had endless success. And I think that's what Kylie says, of even being controlled for obviously all four albums, she still obviously says you can't deny that at the end of the day, it's a formula that worked and they were hugely successful.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's been critical of those days herself. Yet, like you said, mainly the, the control thing. But she was embarrassed, wasn't she, by some of the sort of earlier, cheesier stuff, if you like. And then, you know, I think I remember reading an interview with her where she said, you know, when she first realized you know I'm going to own this was after meeting Nick Cave and he invited her to a, to come up on stage at a poetry reading and do a little bit tongue-in-cheek but do a poetry reading of I should be so lucky and it was then she realized yeah you know I don't need to shy away from this or be embarrassed by it I can still be considered a, a serious artist now and have that as part of my roots and you know that was sort of Indy Kylie was born not long after that. Um, do you think it's something she has reclaimed and is proud of now? Yeah.
2: I think it's literally that thing of, if someone said to you, show me a passport photo, you'd die. Yeah. So I think it is the thing of, she's had to grow up in public. And obviously when she was young and successful, it was fine. And she had the perm. And then obviously when she's, grown up a little bit and she's got a rock star boyfriend she's not going to be too fond of seeing the video of her frolicking around in the bubble bath
1: i love Um, that that's brilliant
2: (laughs) obsessed um and i think it's literally that i think it's because it's growing up in public she can't escape and i think as you said she tried to escape her at one point and it just didn't work Hmm. let's focus on positives
1: yeah you know and when she did the um the Anton Deck, you know, sketch where I think Deck dressed as Jason Donovan with a wig. I mean, yeah, I it was think. funny and she giggled her way through it, but you know, it was a celebration of yeah, all of those days and what she's achieved. And a lot yeah. of people will still think of I should be so lucky, better the devil you know, even especially for you, when they think of essential kylie songs even my daughter she's actually 14 she knows those songs even though that was not an era that she was a we part bl-
2: of we blame you for that yeah,
1: yeah
3: i remember as well you know um I, put, I can't remember was it the proms that she did a few years ago it was in hyde park maybe i can't remember where it was but the concert was amazing but my favorite bit of the show surprised me was the locomotion. Mm. It was just brilliant. We were like, oh my god! Because she, she was dancing, she had a line of people. Really, really enjoyed it.
1: So do you think, going back to what the initial discussion topic was, a gay icon and deconstructing what makes a gay icon, did she have that that label then? Was this a gay, sort of an iconic gay album? Or did that come later?
3: would have been later for me because I didn't know that I was at that, that point. Exactly. We I, wouldn't been, I wouldn't have process. been aware of that. I think it took me until I was 23 until I even knew anything like that. And
2: what about I agree with me, Jay, I think it was, I think it was very innocent. It was bubblegum pop. She was a bubblegum princess. It was Charlene from Neighbours. Wow, she can sing. And I think for me, the gay icon probably wasn't until it's going to at least be Rhythm of Love.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say um, Better the Devil. Mm. That's when that changed and popped. That's
2: when she found the hair straighteners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and if I think about days of gay clubbing and Kylie being played, it was probably things from those later albums. Well, like you said, Better the Devil from that point, really. Although I'm sure I've seen plenty of Kylie wannabe drag queens you know, doing the whole canon of um, different inventions of Kylie. <laughs> really? So it's probably, yeah, I now think... that she is a gay icon, those things that do get touched upon. But yeah, maybe not at the time did that label come upon her. I think
2: also what makes you an icon is she was very quick to align with the LGBTQ community of doing the, like, prides when it wasn't even cool to do pride. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think, again, we've stuck by her because she was one of the first to, like, I don't know, stand up and be proud, I suppose.
3: Yeah, was it... Did we see her in Pride when she did spinning around? Was she there then? That's yeah. Right. We were in London. Well, that was London, wasn't it? I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. We were all there, I think.
1: Yeah, fin- not fin- Yeah, we <laughs> were, because fin- we fin- all around? ended up,
3: fin-
2: up
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's
3: right,
2: yeah. One of her most famous prides, I think possibly even the first was Australia where she was dressed as a devil and she had like about 200 men on stage in hot pants. Has anyone seen that one?
1: Yeah, I've seen that one.
2: That's, yeah, a, like, seen that's like an iconic pride performance.
1: Okay, I'm going to play a little clip. So let's delve in to I Should Be So Lucky. Signature Kylie song for many, many years. What do we think of it? The start. The start. Yes, an instant worldwide hit. Mm -hmm. Still included on a lot of compilation '80s albums. Um, Do I like the song? Um, I don't dislike it. It possibly suffers a bit from overkill. As in, I have listened to it so many times, it's sort of become an in, an invisible song. It's like, yeah, of course that's a good song. It's Kylie, I should be so lucky. I almost don't need to listen to it because I have listened to it that many times. I almost take the goodness for granted. I don't skip it if it comes on a shuffle. Um, I maybe don't enjoy it as much as some of the others. How do you rate this song, both?
2: <laughs> for me... I think it's obviously like childhood and just the start and the first time you obviously saw her in a pop video. Like I said, it was like Charlene. Oh my God, she can sing now. She looks so amazing. I love the song. So catchy. And do you know what I watched the other day? Do you know that they did another, you must know this, they did another version of the video. Yeah. Where she's basically sitting in the back of like a BMW with the roof down. (laughs) And someone must have thought it was just a good idea to go, Kylie, it's done really well. We're gonna film another quick video of just you sitting in the back of the car with a wind gale blowing in your face. (laughs) And do I love the song? Love the song, I think for different reasons. I think for like sentimental reasons, Great pop song. Is it in my top five Kylie's? Probably not. But it's the start, and it's the start of where the obsession started and hasn't ended.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, what's Jay saying? Yeah,
3: I just remember being... Well, I used to be obsessed with charts and writing things down. and logging the charts completely every weekend. Chart, chart, chart. And I'd know the charts inside out. And I just remember her just being number one for ages. <laughs> and it, it was just a really happy song, isn't it? Yeah. You know.
2: Six
3: weeks? <laughs> it was something like six weeks. Uh,
2: yeah. I'm still ob- obsessed with the charts now. I always have to look.
3: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And see I what's always going look.
2: on. Yeah. always
3: looking just to see who's dipping in. Not so much the singles chart, because that is weird now, these days. Yeah. yeah. It's just... They've, it's they've spoiled they, it. Yeah. They need to stop people... You know, like when people release an album... And all of the songs go in the charts. Mm. We need to stop that because that's not a single. No.
2: But I, do, I know we're going off on a tangent, but I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I don't agree with streaming.
3: No, neither, neither. It's weird, isn't
2: it? I feel like it should be back in the day of if you love someone, you go and buy the album.
3: hmm Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing now, isn't it?
2: It's weird. Yeah. And I was actually thinking of this today, and obviously we're talking of an icon. I don't think we're going to have many icons for that reason, though, because no. people can't have the chart success or the sales of the Kylie Madonna's. Re-
3: there's loads of people on mass releasing things, isn't there? All the time. Mm. All of the time, there's like hundreds of people releasing stuff from the bedroom.
1: Yeah.
2: Like no offence, but are we going to be talking about Julie Per in twenty years? I don't think so. <laughs> I
1: don't know. We'll see. I know. Maybe you'll be obsessed
2: No, <laughs> no definitely <laughs> not obsessed Even though she says Kylie is a massive inspiration And she wants to duet with her
1: there
2: we go. Mm. Watch We'd buy so that then. one but not the others
1: Yes Okay, I'm going to pop We'd buy the, the Madonna duet as
3: well
2: Oh yeah. my god, Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Definitely.
4: Yes.
3: <laughs> She's doing that yeah.
2: <laughs> That needs to happen
1: Oh, I thought you were going to break into um, a solo then, Mikey.
2: I've got mixed feelings about this one.
1: When you came on the podcast before, we chatted a bit about your love-hate with the locomotion.
2: This is one of those ones where people go to me, what's your favourite Kylie song? And I'm like, there is no way I can choose. But I always say, I could probably tell you my least favourite. And it probably, locomotion is definitely up there.
1: It's not one of my
3: favourites
2: Until I agree with Jay
1: Yeah I
3: think when
2: she's done different versions of it
1: I do love the other versions of it The Abbey Road version And I like like it when she does it live as well Toot toot Ah
2: Beep beep To the locomotion I also love Do you remember the fever tour? Mm
1: Mm-hmm
2: The slow version That was amazing
1: Yeah, that was nice Is this one you would skip though? I mean,
2: again, Kylie, I think you were saying this the other day, with Kylie, because the obsession is real, I probably wouldn't even skip the songs that I'm not 100% on because it's her. Yeah. But would I choose to listen to it? Probably not.
1: Yeah, same here.
3: Yeah, definitely. That live version of it, go and check it out. It must have been around about the time of Golden, maybe, or just before maybe she did this version it was just well we were downstairs in the living room bouncing around the room was i there was it hyde park where jason there.
2: Jason hopped yes. on stage and rick Astley? yes
3: that's right yeah, so
2: it was basically in the middle of the golden tour yeah um and she headlined hyde park so yeah that was the version from the golden tour
3: yeah there we go thrilled i was thrilled
2: it was so amazing
3: Yeah, because I remember, I might have even been texting you to say, where are you?
2: Maybe. (laughs) And a funny story about that, I'd made a friend queue for me because I was working and I was like, you have to get to the crack of dawn, we have to be down the front. So you just basically have to stand there. She was not happy. (laughs) Because obviously there was, what, 120,000 people, something ridiculous.
1: That is true friendship, that is. Definitely. I'm trying to remember, Mikey, what time did we arrive at GAY when we saw Kylie there?
2: Oh, again, I remember our other friends shouting at us because we were probably there at least midday and she wasn't on until one in the morning. (laughs) That's right. And we were like, no, we have to be down the front. And also, with GAY, it's like a, even though you can get wristbands, it's very much like first come, first serve. So we were like, yeah, we have to get in, and also in those days, like, what did we pay? Like ten pounds to get in, or something? something Five pounds,
1: like
2: yeah. But a concert ticket no. now is like two fifty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: because that was to be that near, that was near the front. One where we had a really high bar at the back, wasn't it? That's right. And then yeah. the stage down the front. Yeah, yeah.
2: It was like a really old, like, triple tiered building.
3: That's right. Yeah, and you could sit yeah. at the back. Was it like theatre seats?
2: Yeah. I think a lot went on in those seats, Jay. I never went up
1: there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to bring us on to, I on mean, can we call this the ballad of the album? Is this a ballad, would you say? Is this I, like,
2: said papouquois? A well, song that taught me how to speak French. That's
3: right. I, I think
1: guess.
2: it's a ballad. It's,
3: it's got a bit of a kick to it, but it's, it's a ballad.
1: Yeah.
2: An up-tempo ballad.
1: That's right. And I just love the video where she's dancing with that black and white man. For some reason, you didn't know why. Why is he black and white and she's in colour? There we go, then. Yeah. I,
2: I love as well when she asked the French lady the time,
1: a uh, uh, quelle heure est s'il vous plaît? Ah, <laughs> oh, wrong time, wrong place. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. what is she then saying next? <laughs> Wrong day, wrong date And <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I, I think she was trying to show that like I've been in Neighbours but I also sing
1: Yes, and then the lady says yeah. Well, if a man is involved Then I wouldn't be so sure Yes
2: <laughs> Can we also talk about My memory of this song is A, she taught me how to speak French And I was really proud of myself Secondly, I'd got the vinyl for Christmas Because I'd also had a, a hi-fi White hi fi,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and I had the seven inch single for Christmas. And we obviously need to give a shout out to Made in Heaven, the B side.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely <laughs>
2: incredible! Yes, I've
1: still got that vinyl somewhere. That's one of
2: my favorite songs to this day, is
1: it?
2: Yeah, I'm absolutely obsessed with that song. Did you see the White Diamond documentary? She sings it in a ballad version, which is insane. Yes.
1: Yeah, love that documentary. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pop Junicepapukwaran.
2: Which means I don't know why.
3: It um, just brings back the memories for me. It's just, uh, it's just lovely, isn't it? I <laughs>
2: love it. I remember seeing her on Top of the Pops when they back in the days when they just used to not have a microphone and they just <laughs> used to stand there and mime.
1: There we go. I just located the. Uh, oh
2: my god! Amazing.
1: <laughs> the lovely little uh, ensemble oh. she's wearing on the back.
2: Well, if lovely. a man is involved,
1: do not be too sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't even realise. I'd forgotten that they've even put the lyrics on the back there. Oh. oh
0: Yes,
1: I remember the um the VHS where she's talking about that song. And she says Je ne sais pas pourquoi you may not know means I don't know why in French. <laughs> <laughs> and um I remember her talking about where she filmed that vhs like years later because she complained about the fact that it was like blowing a gale and it was <laughs> on the harbor and for some reason they put the camera the wrong you know aside you wouldn't normally put it on so all the wind
0: mm.
1: she was having to talk with her <laughs> looking over her shoulder um yeah vhs do you
2: remember i was i don't know if i told you this story but i took my kylie video back to Wallace and i was like it's jumping. I need a new one because you know when I should be so lucky where she's falling on the bed. <laughs> I thought the tape was broken.
4: <laughs> so Aww. yeah, that was another
2: lesson learned. But like Jay said, I think like even the intro to that song, I don't know, it like transports you to like childhood.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. And I just remember around that time, you couldn't you couldn't avoid Kylie. Mm. That's- you just could not avoid her. She was just everywhere. The smash party, the poll winners party.
2: Well, again, what was the chart success? Number one, number two, number two, number two?
3: Yeah, and then if you include, especially for you as well, mm. which you sort of sneakily could.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't like that that was included on Jason's album rather than Kylie's.
2: Yeah. Oh, is that a thing? Because I didn't follow Jason, I don't know. Is that
1: what happened? Yeah, so that was on his debut album, 10 Good Reasons. Um,
2: well, he needed, he needed to try and hang on to something, didn't he? I
1: suppose, <laughs> yeah. So, I like that song. It's nice. As I said um, when we spoke before about can you rate that kind of factory production style songwriting as a good song? Well, I get the acoustic guitar out, I strum the chords. Does it sound nice? Yeah, it sounds glorious still, so I think that proves that it's a, you know, it's a good track. And the fact that it did so well, and that I think everyone still remembers it. So even my mother was bring she's, along to that.
2: <laughs> she's bilingual. She taught us another language. We were young. She was educational.
1: Yes, and do you remember getting excited when you found out that her mum had like relatives in my stag in, um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in Wales, southwest Wales?
2: And then we were like, Kylie's Welsh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's right. laughs>
2: she's welsh really she's not australian
1: <laughs> so the next song was intended to be the fifth single off the album but it got overshadowed we've just mentioned especially for you with the success of that so that was jason donovan's release so it was kind of held back it wasn't released in the uk it was only released in a handful of countries i did get to haven't num- we
2: missed a song though
1: let me just double check
2: where's got to be certain
1: that's after this so it's no secret is next and it did peak at what order
2: are you doing
1: i'm doing i should be so lucky locomotion oh Uh, you're
2: doing the order on the album i'm doing
1: the order on the album
2: (laughs) i'm go. i'm in (laughs) singles i'm like i'm so confused right now but
1: this is an (laughs) album run through it's an album run through (laughs) it is Knock
2: knock. <laughs> Thank so, God yeah. I do makeup. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it got to 37 in the Billboard Top 100. So, as I said earlier, for someone who supposedly hasn't cracked America, you know, top 100 and she manages to get to 37, I think that's pretty good for an unknown.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, I love this song. Uh, spoiler alerts, it's possibly one of my favourites on the album.
4: Um,
1: I love the video. I think she looks amazing it, in the video. Yeah, I think it gives her a, ch- a like a chance to show off her vocals so that it's a little bit higher, um, and she blasts them out very well. Yeah, A nice. Did you, did you see oh, go on. I was just gonna say a nice did, poop, did, bubbly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because
3: I was doing a little research about this album as well because obviously I'm not as up with everything on it, but I came across um, It's No Secret on Arsino Hall
1: mm.
3: with live vocal. Do you remember Arsenault mm. Hall from the America? Okay. No, what's that? Yeah. Have a little look. She's on it, strutting her stuff. It's just her on the stage. Yeah. I don't know if the music is live. I think it might very well be. It was like a Saturday night live almost at okay. Hall. And oh, she's singing it and no it's a live summer, vocal. No
4: yeah.
3: Summer, yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: On. got to be certain then next on the album list right? oh. have loads to say about it. I think it's a nice feel-good pop song. I've put it on my Feel Good Kylie playlist, so I do like it, it's nice. It Again, you said earlier about feeling nostalgic when you listen to this and a little slice of childhood. It's probably the same with me and this song, got to be certain, another sort of PWL pop perfection. Yeah, nice melody, good video nice feel good song thoughts for you guys
2: I was obsessed with her riding on the, on the merry-go-round I was yeah. obsessed that apparently <laughs> she'd made the shoes herself with the red <laughs> hair um, and I think I just lived for the video the different looks yeah
3: Jay. yeah it's a nice simple song isn't it uh, no, again it's not one that I think that I go to listen to out of the, her back catalogue
2: I think the thing is as well why we're struggling. There's not a bad song on the album. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah.
2: I think that's why we're a little bit like, um,
1: um, it's nice because
2: they're all great songs.
1: I think with the PWL, they've all got like really great melodies, I feel. Yeah. And I like, you know, the sort of synthy, I like the 80s production values. I like that it's synthy pop, you know?
2: I
4: love that.
1: I mean, yeah, she could have turned a lot more of them into reimagined versions maybe for something like abbey road but i mean did she only choose the locomotion from that album can't remember
2: i think she did from this album yeah but she but she did change some from enjoy yourself like never too late Mm -hmm. did she do i should be so lucky i mean i feel like a really bad fan right now she did she she did
3: yes of course yeah the piano version mm -hmm. but yeah but that piano version of what was the song you just said there, mikey um never Never too late. too late oh that's l- gorgeous oh, oh <laughs> it's not <late. laughs> oh,
4: yeah
0: loved that song.
3: If
2: I was to release another single from the Kylie album, it would have been Turn It Into Love.
4: Mm,
3: Definitely. Probably my favourite one on
2: there. Yeah, that's that's my favourite song.
3: That would work well as a ballad.
2: Amazing.
3: Yeah, that would... She slowed it down and...
2: Now, do we know about... Because we know, obviously, like, I don't know if there was a shortage, maybe, at PWL. But do we know about Hazel Dean stealing this
3: classic? Yeah. We did we, we did mention it before but I think that was when we went recording. Did you go back and listen to it?
1: He, I, have, I don't think yeah. we have
3: actually. I, I
1: have think listened. it was
3: the I think like you said, I think it was actually the same production. Yeah. Just with Hazel Dean on top of it. Same
2: and I just production. read here, do you remember same difference, that awful brother and sister duo of the X Factor?
3: Mm-hmm. Same difference. Yeah
2: apparently they recorded it and it was included on their debut album and then was going to be their second single but they were then cancelled so this song was only released in Japan which is a bit of a waste
1: yeah and the uh, first track of Side 2 if you had the cassette or the vinyl a nice banger, a nice way to open Side 2 really infectious chorus a really nice, powerful vocal again. I mean, I think she said, isn't she, on record quite a few times that PWL songs are her hardest to sing. <laughs> They're at the, a the top range, aren't they? They're yeah.
2: Mm. I think as well, considering this is her debut album, Turn It Into Love actually sounds like quite a mature song, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I was just going to mm-hmm. say... On I- the album might be a controversial opinion at the time it probably wasn't my favorite on the album for that reason mm. i think i like the more bubblegummy sort of stuff and it felt mm. like more in place on you know on.
2: A- it definitely has a different feel it feels like even the way she sings it
1: mm.
2: i don't know it feels more mature more like accomplished maybe whereas obviously we know she'd rock up to the studio, hear the song once and record it. But this sounds, I don't know, it just sounds different. Maybe there's a few more takes, I don't know. I was just saying to Jay, I still listen to this quite a lot now.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think uh, retrospectively, I love it because obviously my musical tastes have changed and developed, you know, from that eight-year-old that just wanted sort of cheesy bubblegum pop so i think i had Mm. noticed there was a shift in tone i couldn't really put my finger on that what what that was when i was younger maybe just the sort of dancier pop vibe i liked a bit less then than the sort of more bubblegum stuff but yeah you mentioned hazel dean and just i got here now um it was 1988 she released it and it got to number 21 So a bit of a waste, again, the UK missing out on an opportunity there to to release a banger of a single that Kylie would have most definitely taken to, well, number one or number
2: two. Yeah, definitely.
1: Do you think, now that you've said it's got a more mature vibe, would you say this makes like gay anthem status? Or is that... I can (laughs)
3: see me spinning around on a stage to this.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I think, again, for me personally, it would be like up there, definitely.
3: Yes, yeah, it's got that higher energy, isn't it? It's mm. Like, um, what do I have to do? Mm. So that sort of feel to it.
0: It's that
2: kind of like fighter song. Like, did you believe I'd let you down?
3: Yeah. Turn yeah. it
2: into love, open up your heart. I don't know, there's, there's, I don't know it's quite a strong message, I feel. Okay. And she sounds amazing.
1: So, last four songs, I think of them as a kind of they're a run of songs for me that I'm not saying a samey, but they kind of feel like the album closes. This next one is a guilty pleasure of mine. I have got a soft spot for I Miss You.
3: Fun. Well, for me again, do you know, it's only recently that I've come back to them, that I remember them. Like I said, this album has not been a big listening point for me, for Kylie, but I really loved getting to know the last four songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, oh, there's one on there that sounds like Danny though, and I can't
2: yeah, remember right. which one it is, I'll let you know. I yeah. think for me again, it sounds more mature. I almost feel like the first half of the album was a different recording session maybe, because it's got a really different feel the second half of the album Mm. like sounds a bit almost american in a way i think she's shown off the strength in her voice
1: Mm Hmm. i do think it possibly sounds i don't want to say dated but maybe the most 80s Mm. on there production wise i don't mean that as an insult i don't know just something i noted as i said it's it is a guilty pleasure though kind of like Candy floss, So it is a little bit sickly sweet, but that's why I like it. You know, I, I like that it's kind of... Although, Mikey, you said you, you felt that was more of a, the mature shift. I don't know. I felt this one was quite bubblegummy. I
2: don't know. For me, it sounds mature, like even the way she's singing it. Mm. But I think the next track... So this would kind of be maybe be a bit more of a filler. And then the next track, I'll Still Be Loving You, for me, is a much stronger song.
1: hmm Yes. Shall we have a little bit of I Still Be Loving You? Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Do you remember having the vinyl sheet with all the lyrics on and just having to learn all the lyrics to the songs?
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: And you just couldn't stop until you knew them.
3: Yeah, it was obsessive. I'm glad that we all did the same thing.
4: Yeah.
2: That could have been another single for me.
1: Yeah, agreed.
2: That's up there with, like, Got To Be Certain, It's No Secret, Je Ne sais pas could have easily been a single.
1: Yeah, and again, really good vocally, really stretching, stretching the vocals, a lot of high notes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, would we call that a ballad? It definitely is. Um, I was going to say,
3: it sounds that sort of beat that um, Je Ne Sais pas had. hmm doesn't it? It's got that sort of feel. Maybe up-tempo a... ballad. Up-tempo dancing ballad. Is that a thing? Have <laughs> we made that now, out? It is now a hashtag up-tempo ballad.
2: Hashtag I'll still be loving you.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: I love this one it, I love this one This is the one that I think Sounds most like Danny uh, I was oh. going to say This
1: is the one definitely. I was going to guess this, Yeah
3: Definitely reminds me of that And listening to it then It also reminds me of um, It's very it's American Sort of almost Bobby Brown-esque Yeah Motown. Sort of, yeah definitely Yeah, yeah. But I you love You can it imagine was. some like Black backing
2: singers
3: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah She's all in leather <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think this, in the same vein, well, at the time, as turn it into love, maybe not one of my, no, not one of my favourites. <laughs> a shift in tone again. I, I don't dislike it. Just didn't love it as much as the others. I think mm. it's a perfectly fine pop song. Now I do. I like it. Again, I wouldn't skip it. Yeah. I think it's
2: interesting looking back. Like. I don't think I've looked this in-depth at this album, but how kind of poppy and upbeat it starts and then it does go very ballad, 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 ballad.
3: I think I prefer, though, now that we're going through it like this, I think I prefer later in the album to the beginning of the album.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. mm i would say vocally, definitely. Like, she sounds very strong and, like, confident.
1: She's got
3: nothing to lose at this point. She's like, right, you're having it. mm
2: not the singing budget.
1: Yeah, vocally, I think she... Yeah, you're right, she probably did record it in another recording session because the latter part of the album, or side two, feels stronger vocally, whether that she's being Mm. stretched more as a singer or she just was having a better day. Yeah, definitely.
2: Would you remember the rumours that if you turned... The speed down on the vinyl—that it was actually Rick Astley that was doing all the singing.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> know, that. ridiculous. I remember that.
2: And then you speed Wait, it up um, with Kylie. great yeah. rumor though, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Did she sing "Never Gonna Give You well, Up"? This is what we need to know.
1: This is it. Okay, so I'm going to quickly do a snippet of "Love at First Sight," the original "Love at First Sight," and then we'll finish off.
2: This is strong. <laughs> Like, it's topped off A sensational album It's gone out with a bang I think again It could have been a single I don't know I feel emotional The album's ended It's Love at First Sight I'm going to have to Put it on again
3: <laughs>
4: Yeah And it sounded
3: like The last Love at First Sight That sounds like She's returned back To the bubblegum pop
4: Mmm mm-hmm. So
3: got a clump Of songs in the middle That are not so bubblegummy And then We're back to bubblegum I feel
1: Yeah Definitely And I love the opening. I love the... Ooh,
4: mm.
1: Nice. Uh, good vocals again. Really good album closer, I think. Yeah, I think leaves
2: definitely. you wanting more. I'd want to put it on from the start and listen to it all over again.
1: So I quite like
3: that it's such a short album, though. It's very short. Very short.
1: If you were to pick two faves and two least faves, oh, what would they
4: be? Two faves.
2: I would probably pick... Je ne sais pas pourquoi, and Turn It Into
3: Love. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would definitely pick Turn It Into Love. Probably It's No Secret.
1: And Mm, my two are It's No Secret and I'll Still Be Loving You. Hmm. Wrong.
2: (laughs) Interesting choices. (laughs) Well, we all agree on Turn It Into Love. Gary no, didn't.
1: No, I was going to say, it's no secret. At
2: the time, and now she's moved over. <laughs> <laughs> she's so fickle. I think to summarise, sensational debut, well on the road to superstar status, iconic. <laughs> it's been very special to relive the album in such depth.
1: Yeah. Some of the reviews, so Chris True all music although the production values are dated and the melodies are only standard kylie's upbeat personality makes them bearable and gave oh. it two stars
2: no way
1: mm-hmm well when was that review done that was a recent review nick levine of digital spy also slated the dated production saying the record was as loaded with variety as a loaf of bread. He felt that Kylie's likeable personality and the quintessentially 80s charm of the album made up for the weaknesses, so I think his criticisms are more about the writing. He dubbed I Should Be So Lucky as the standout classic album track. What do you think about that?
3: There we go, we need not to say anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's definitely a classic.
1: Yeah.
2: But so is the Kylie album.
1: So reviews Mm. then from the time it was released. So Smash It's review from Chris Heath. Um, This is more like it. He commented, simply, delirious, wonderful disco. There we go. I'd agree with that. Also, can
2: I just say, because obviously we all love and idolise different people, so we all read reviews and we know what reviews are like.
4: Mm -hmm. At
2: the end of the day, if someone is still here 33 years later selling out arenas around the world, Mm -hmm. selling millions and still having number one albums, I'd say that she's
3: doing something right. Yeah. Completely. But it doesn't just happen by accident, does it?
1: No. No. And in fact, the Encyclopedia of Popular Music in 2011 said that it was a classic album and would be recommended and it is highly listenable which I think we'd all agree with having just gone through it track by track
2: Personally speaking, sense
1: Interestingly, so someone USA, so writers of the Billboard magazine applauded the cover of the Locomotion, but did find the mechanical production assembly line writing as a downside, so they thought that maybe she wouldn't you know get breakthrough in america because of that
2: well you were wrong honeys and she's also won a grammy so guess what you were wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think personally as a starting point or a benchmark if you like for the career that was to follow in music she set the bar really high my personal opinion
4: and also, yeah. can we
2: talk about lots of artists only kind of have one strong album. She's got every album is strong.
4: hmm mm.
2: You might not love the entire album, but she's never done a bad album.
3: There's always a song, isn't there, that uh, mm. you know. Or you will at least people love half the album. Yeah.
1: So we've picked your two favourites. Have you got... Well, do, do least favourites, and then we'll end on a positive note. So... Again, there's not a track that I would skip, but if I was to say Mm -hmm. least favourites, it would probably be Look My Way and The Locomotion.
2: You're so fickle. You were loving Look My Way a minute ago.
1: (laughs) Again, I do. I I love them all. It's least
2: favourite though, isn't it? It's not my least favourite and I'm also not a fan of covers. Maybe that is the reason why as well. It's going to be the old locomotion.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm going to locomote it as well. Mm.
1: Yes, it's funny, isn't it, how PWL would insist on putting a cover... I mean, actually, did they put one on uh, Let's Get To It? Yeah, yes. give me just a little me, more yeah. time. Yeah, there we go. I
0: love that.
1: I was obsessed. Yeah, I, I like I was the...
2: obsessed with that boobs in that video.
1: I like the <laughs> version, but I'd happily had an original on there over that. I do love Tears on My Pillow. That is a nice cover. Mm. And a celebration as well. Not loving that. I don't again Mm. for a cover it's nice, but yeah. Bit of a filler. Wasn't didn't do anything
3: original with it, did she? No. All the production didn't. It was just I think she wanted to
2: leave them by that point, so she was like, I'll just record anything you tell me. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well done. It's still good though. I mean it's just not it's beneath that.
1: Okay, so I think we've already mentioned that she often does bring the Locomotion out for concerts. To your knowledge, Mikey, you've seen her more than any of us. Is there a song that still makes it, other than the Locomotion, to the playlist on that Mm -hmm. album? So
2: she does I Should Be So Lucky is obviously quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, Got To Be Certain pops up often, Locomotion, turn it into love. Um... An old journalist And then the only time, and this was special because I was like, I never went to the first tour you did.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: When she did the anti tour, she sang, like, I'm sure she sang Look My Way. Definitely sang It's No Secret. So, again, that was quite special to see songs that old that she would never have sung being sung live.
1: So actually I probably mm-hmm. will put this album on again now Because of doing this podcast I've I've had them on I, I've had one complete listen through While I was going on a jog And then I've gone through and sort of skipped And forwarded and listened to the various parts of the song So I feel like I need more than just taste Love
2: at first sight is a banger
1: Yeah I, I look forward to going to listen to the album And I actually shuffle
3: mm. in it I like to do that I Get used to the album then shuffle Yeah mm. That'd be quite nice
1: so, what do you think then? What is the gayest song off the album? Mm. If we're thinking, I mean, obviously, in the days of G A Y, what song would get everyone just going wild?
2: I think Love at First Sight is quite gay. Mm-hmm. Especially, like you said, with the opening, I don't. It's got to be turn it into love, surely.
3: Yeah, maybe the compass. Yeah. Mm.
2: The gay is just like a powerful message and a kind of... If, you, if you're like
3: your camp's gay, maybe a yeah. straight, straight gay, you would give two hoots, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
2: You'd be loving Look My Way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Don't seem love. I can see me spinning around on the, uh, well, on the stage.
2: Like we said earlier, if there's proof of a gay classic, I'm still listening to that very often now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe yeah. that is the We were too innocent in those days to know.
3: Yeah, that's true. up until I was twenty-three. So Jay, you bought you
2: bought enjoy yourself, and then did you go back and buy Kylie?
3: No, I don't think that I did. I don't. Mm. No, it was vinyl. Enjoy yourself, vinyl. I think it came with a poster. It did. Yeah. So that when I was revisiting that the other week, I was like, ah, oh, ooh. I think I said to Clary, "There's more. Um, mm-hmm. There's more variation on there, isn't there?" Yeah. Probably stronger singles I think
1: Mm. the only album I didn't buy upon release Was Let's Get To It I bought that many years Mm. later I bought it in I don't know if I had sort of slightly moved on From Kylie at that point Obviously I still loved what I still loved
2: Because that was the first time I saw her live 91 in Birmingham We've come full circle With KM15
1: I know Very very exciting Yeah
2: which is a disco return.
0: no
1: doubt we'll be turning our attention to disco in a future episode so watch this space so jay we started the episode with you saying you were a stick or twist fan is that still the case or are you now firmly a stick fan i once said that
3: i was a stick and twist kylie fan and what i think i mean by that is that i dip in and out of her catalogue um, at various stages and she definitely made me dip back in with this album for sure
1: well thank you very much for your time So very welcome bye 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 babies join us next time when we interview Rian Hutchins Rian's background is in community and participatory music She's also the CEO of Anthem, as well as previously being the director of Opera Sonic, the director of Youth and Community for Welsh National Opera and the partnership manager for Artworks Cymru. So I was responsible for putting together the team, bringing the ideas together, liaising with the school, kind of basically pulling everything together in the background and then being in the room with the team and making sure that everything went well.